You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Jesus instructs his disciples, possibly in the hearing of a large crowd of people, and he is giving certain instructions about how to live in the community. What does it mean to be living as a Christian witness in the community. In fact, there is one phrase. Somewhere in that passage, he says, a little flock, a small group. This is the congregation that he is addressing, though there were large crowds of people. How should they live their lives? The first thing that he says to them, I'm just summarizing it in a very brief way, don't do what the Pharisees do. This is basically what he's saying. In fact, the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry was a one big confrontation with the religious leaders. Almost everything that we read is a polemic against the corruption within the community of God's people. And basically he is saying is, don't be like the Pharisees. The truth will be received one day, so don't be deceived. This was one of the first messages that he gives. Worrying is not going to make your life better. I mean, today there's plenty of psychologists telling you this. Uh, when I say psychologists, I'm talking about pop psychologists. So the second point is don't be preoccupied with the basic necessities of life. God will take care of you. So first, don't be fooled by the Pharisees, the religious leaders, Secondly, don't be preoccupied with the basic necessities of life. If you were to study a little bit of social work or psychology or even economics, you will come across Abraham Maslow's theory of hierarchy of needs in 1953, 52, 53. He developed this, created a pyramid, and he said people basically need their basic material needs to be met, like food, shelter, clothing, and all that sort of thing. Then when that is met, they go to the next level and next level and next level. Finally, this so-called self-actualization at the apex of the pyramid. I have studied this. I have talked on it. I have lectured on this. At first, I was fascinated by it. But then I read passages like Luke 12, where Jesus says, do not worry about these things. People of God don't worry about these things. So now I lecture on the upside down pyramid. Jesus turned the pyramid upside down. He said, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. You don't have to earn it. It is given to you. It will be added to you. You seek first what is important in life. And all these things will be added. It's a beautiful little study how Jesus turned Maslow's pyramid upside down. Well, I should say Maslow turned Jesus' pyramid the wrong way around. But those of us who study the scripture know how. Seek first the kingdom. All these things will be added to you. Storing up is not going to make life any better. The third thing that Jesus instructs in this chapter is don't abandon your convic conviction in fear of your life or for honor or prestige. Don't abandon your conviction. So three things. First, don't follow the Pharisees. 
they are not speaking the truth that's one of the first things that Jesus says here second don't be preoccupied with basic necessities of life God knows how to look after you if he can look after the magpies I don't mean Collingwood but you know the magpies that fly around um, um, if God knows how to look look after the magpies the sparrows the worms he knows how to look after you trust him third don't abandon your conviction in fear of your life or seeking honor and prestige because <clears throat> that is not important God will give you words and wisdom if you are in trouble stand up for your convictions I hope um, you got all that three things I just thought I'll mention that so you know what you've been hearing for the last couple of weeks so what is the application for chapter 12 what is hidden will be revealed one day so live your life in honesty and faithfulness God knows and he will look after you this is what basic very simple message that Jesus gives in Luke chapter 12 what is hidden will be one day revealed don't worry about it we are so worried about exposing people Jesus says you don't have to expose people you don't have to go and dig up who is right and who is wrong just don't follow the Pharisees that's all and then he says live your life honest in honesty and faithfulness God knows and he will look after you second lesson that we learn from Luke's gospel chapter 12 is don't follow the Pharisees either out of fear or for the sake of honor or privilege it's not worth it they have corrupted the word of God and the third is seek God's kingdom it is incorruptible and imperishable seek God's kingdom <clears throat> the title that is given for today's message is a little bit I believe off target it says faith until the end that is definitely part of it but it is more like <clears throat> faithful to the end there is a difference between having faith and being faithful we need to understand that no wonder Apostle Paul in the beautiful beautiful hymn on love I'm referring to first Corinthians chapter 13 he says even if you have faith to move mountains if you do not have love you're nothing so faith and faithfulness are two different things there are people who have faith in marriage but not very faithful to their spouses there are people who have faith in organizations but they are not very faithful in their work so be having faith and being faithful are two different things sometimes I explain this I think you understand that but if you need an explanation the best explanation I can find in the Bible is the story of those three young Jews Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they stand before the king facing the fiery furnace and says O king we have no need to answer you in this matter our God is able that's faith our God is able to deliver us but then faith moves to faithfulness they say even if he is not going to do it 
we are not going to do the wrong thing. Even if he does not deliver us, we will not do the wrong thing. We will not fall in front of his statue. This is faithfulness. Even if I know my God is able, he can and he will. But it doesn't always happen that way. He has his reasons. There are things that are hidden from my knowledge. I don't understand and I don't need to understand because I trust in God. We must move from faith to faithfulness. <clears throat> Living faithfully is more important than worrying about how much faith we have. It is, faith is not quantified. <coughs> it is experienced and expressed. First, our faithfulness is evidenced in the way we prepare ourselves to receive the master on his return. This is what we see from 12, chapter 12, verses 35 to 40. By the way, what time do you want me to stop? I'm looking at the clock. I'm watching that hand move. I'll, I'll stop when it gets to about 1 or 2 or something. One. Anyway, you know. Yeah. Um, <coughs> um, so our faithfulness is evidenced in the way we prepare ourselves to receive the master on his return. So this has reference to our attitude and our behavior right now. Most of the teachings of Christ is about how to live right now in preparation to receive the master when he comes back. Sometimes we are so preoccupied with heaven, we just don't know how to live on this earth. Scott Peck, in his lovely book, <coughs> um, He's the guy who wrote, um, sorry, this is a senior moment. I can't remember anything that is not written here. But Scott Peck says, let my will be done in heaven as it is on earth. You know, that's a reversal of what the Lord taught us. And some of us live like that. God, it's my will in heaven, uh, not your will on earth. So we have two stories, two scenarios, or two parables, as Peter calls it, in first the first is a master returning from a wedding banquet to his home and property at an unannounced time and maybe unexpected time as well. The servant is waiting in anticipation here. This is, we read this in verse 37 onwards, <coughs> uh, for his master to receive and honor the master. That's the theme there actually. The preparation is, I want to receive my master, and whatever I do must bring honor to the master. So all that lighting of the lamp and, you know, all those scenarios, you can read it um, in um, verse 36 onwards. That say, it will be good for the servants whose master finds him watching when he comes. What does he say? He comes and knocks. Um, I tell you, he will dress himself. What is it? He has got his house all ready. Um, so it is to honor. If the house is in dark, darkness, well, it is not honoring to the master sort of thing. So it's ready for. He is, <clears throat> this is the exact opposite of what happened when Jesus came as the Messiah. We read in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 11, he came to his own. How does the rest go? You know, don't you? You have memorized it in, in Sunday school. In the old days, 
he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But whoever believed in him and received him, he gave them the power to become children of God. His own did not receive. This was a reality. So Jesus says, don't be like the Pharisees. Be prepared to receive the master. When I came, they were not ready. Looking back, when God's Messiah came, the Pharisees and the other religious leaders did not receive him. Instead of being ready with a welcome, all he got was rejection and abuse. So, Jesus says, looking ahead, will the church be ready for her master and savior when he returns? And one way of being ready is not to worry about faith too much, but think about how can I be faithful to my master and my Lord today in my home, in my community, in my world around me. So what is the application? We must be a people of hope. We must be so excited about the return of the master, we don't care how long we have to wait. We must be so excited about the return of the master, we don't care how long we have to wait. That's the truth, the excitement. The second parable in that first part is a thief coming to rob the house at an unannounced time. I think the only thief that I know uh, who came after announcing that he's going to rob the house was our village thief. We have our own village thief in India, this is, uh, in my little village. Uh, he's, he's died and we don't have a reliable thief anymore. Um, in a bit, I, I have a, a full chapter on this thief in my book, Meeting God in Gandhi Road. Uh, I mean, he's an unbelievable guy. He's, he's part of our village. He was brought up in a pretty upper middle class community. His family used to train soldiers for the royal household. I mean, he's a big shot, but he became a thief. But he's a good thief. He's a thief that you like to have if you really have to have a thief. So he's a guy who comes during the day and says, don't leave those things outside because when I come at night, if I see you, I'll take it away. Or if they go missing, don't blame me. This is the sort of thing. that. In fact, he was stealing all his life and spent most of his life in jails uh, that uh, he received a pension from the government for long service for the community. I don't know what it was, but he had a, he had a regular pension. <clears throat> but see, this is, he doesn't hurt you or anything like that. He's, he's a very reliable guy. You know, he <clears throat> normally comes around during the daytime and warns you. And I, I remember my grandfather refused to hand him over to the police. He said, he's our thief. We should look after him, not the police from outside, because we don't have a police station in our village or police. They are unknown people. He's our known thief. We look after him. So he's our private thief. I remember introducing uh, him to my wife and my mother-in-law when they first came uh, um, uh, to India. I mean, I was walking past. I introduced uh, the local doctor and the parish priest and some of my neighbors, and the thief came along. And I said, oh, please meet so-and-so. He's our local thief. And he was very happy to meet my wife and my mother-in-law. Um, thief coming to rob a house at an unannounced time. The responsible house owner, Jesus says, will be prepared to discourage the thief by being awake and alert. He says the thieves, they are everywhere. They will come and they are not going to tell you, I'll be there at 2.30 in the morning. They come at an opportune time. 
So he says the church must be alert to defend and repel the people, people, those people who come to steal, rob, and take away. Here Jesus wants his disciples that if they are not living faithfully in preparation for the return of the master, three things are, two things are going to happen. First, the community of believers will be vulnerable to negative influences because Rob's, you know, Jesus said how the thieves come in and steal. The gospel of Christ will be compromised and hijacked. And we know there's a lot of false teaching even immediately after Christ's time. So what is the application? We must be watchful and vigilant to make sure that we live according to the teachings of Christ. The second part starts with Peter asking, is the, are these parables just for us or for everybody else? We see that uh, in verse 41. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone else? Jesus gives three little stories after that to explain it applies to everyone but in degrees. Not the same way. It doesn't apply to everyone exactly the same way. So he talks about faithful and wise manager. A person of character. So the first part talks about hope. The second part talks about character. What is the character of the Christian community? He must be the Christian community must be faithful in the absence of the master. Don't think that because the master is not around, he can do whatever you like. Takes good care of the household, the people and property of the master. And Jesus says when he comes, he will reward him beautifully. It's lovely how he describes that. He says... Whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them food allowances at the proper time. It is good for the servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth. He will put him in charge of a lot more. This must be understood in the context of the Old Testament prophets who said, You are the shepherds who kill the sheep and eat them instead of looking after them. You are the shepherds who are irresponsible. Jesus says you should not be like these shepherds. You must be a different kind of people. So obviously that first bit is about the disciples or to the disciples. Then you have unfaithful and foolish manager. So you have a faithful and conscientious manager or faithful and wise manager. And second, unfaithful and foolish manager. That's a person lacking integrity. He is unfaithful in the absence of the master. The text says, my master is delayed, so I can do whatever I like. You know, my boss is not watching. I have a cartoon um, that I have cut out and put in my slide presentation when I'm speaking to uh, corporate managers and so on. I show it. And the boss comes and says, why are you not working? <coughs> and the staff says, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were coming. 
<laughs> you know so that's <coughs> that's basically describes this why are you not working well i'm sorry i didn't know you were coming i didn't know you had come uh, so unfaithful in the absence of the master secondly this guy takes advantage of the delay he abuses the people and the property of the master he beats them up extracts you know sort of extra labor but doesn't go to the master and Jesus says he will be punished for doing that. So the first one be rewarded, the second will be punished. God's character is evidenced in the way he executes his justice. And that's the third thing that we learn. That is God does not deal with everyone exactly the same way. God is not unreasonable. God expects us to be faithful. The two copper coins of the widow is greater than a bag full of coins of a wealthy person. There are three categories of irresponsible servants in the next little section that is from 42 and 46. An abusive servant with a false sense of independence. I think Jesus was referring to the Pharisees, the abusive servant with a false sense of independence. Sometimes I feel sad when I go to a church as a visiting speaker and I think, man, you have made it all about yourself, haven't you? Church is not about me. It is not even about us. It is about the Master and the Lord. In our training, we say to people, when you are listening to somebody, you must constantly say to yourself, Sonny, it's not about you, man. Just listen. You are not a solution provider. You are a fellow traveler. Travel with them. Stay with them. Don't leave them. You don't have the answer. You don't have to have the answer. But the answer is staying with them and not leaving them, not abandoning them. It is not about you. That is the secret of being a non-anxious presence with people who are hurting. I know your church community is hurting. Lou sent me a message during the week and told me about Rena. I understand that. How best to care for a person who is grieving? My friend Koshi is grieving because his wife just passed away after two years of motor neuron disease suffering, I saw this beautiful physician, high-class physician, who has been working in a mission hospital in North India in one of the remote parts with her husband who is a pediatrician, go from being a pleasant 50-year-old mother of two to stuck in a wheelchair, not being able to do anything. They put food into her mouth and it just falls out and then finally she just passed away on the 28th of December. I couldn't even watch the funeral online. I will go and spend a few days with the husband. They both were students at the medical school when I was there as their chaplain. And the husband told me 18 years later, oh, by the way, Sonny, I forgot to tell you that I made a commitment for Jesus Christ in one of your retreats. 
And that is when he was a student. I said, oh, thanks for telling me now. But that's how it is. It's a beautiful thing. And I, they are like children to me. And yet, when it happened, it was hurting, though we all knew it was going to happen. How do we comfort? How do I comfort this man, 52-year-old doctor? I just visit him. I'll stay with him. I'll eat his food. I will sleep in his house. What else can I do? I must be non-anxious. It is not about me. It is about being with them, journeying with them. Jesus told his disciples, stay and watch with me. Stay and watch with me. Don't run away now. I need you. I need your support and your understanding. You staying with me is very important to me. Stay with people who are hurting. And in the process, we will feel the pain we cannot heal. And that is healing. Feeling the pain we cannot heal is healing. We have an irresponsible and disrespectful servant. And finally, the ignorant and careless servant. Jesus said each one will be dealt with differently, different punishment. Not everyone receiving the same punishment. Each of these servants are treated differently. The first will be cut off. In fact, the word is horrible. It means he will be cut asunder. It's terrible. The second receives a severe beating and the third a light beating. The message to the disciples are very simple. While I'm gone, don't behave like the Pharisees. Don't take advantage of my absence or the trust of the people. Be responsible. Live as if I am with you. Live knowing that I will be back. Live knowing that you will be rewarded for your labor. For your labor in the Lord is not in vain. God bless you and thank you very much for the opportunity to be with you.